0: And welcome back to Random Alien Braindroppings. Today's guest is Brett Oldham, author and experiencer. Brett has been researching and investigating the paranormal pretty much since his teen years. And he and his wife, Gina, are based out of Nevada. And their research encompasses a wide spectrum of the paranormal, including, you know, ghosts, UFOs, cryptozoology, and the like. They've been featured on numerous radio shows and uh, in magazines and newspaper articles, internet and local and national TV, USA, New Zealand and Europe, including shows on Bio, Discovery, CBC Canada, TV7 in Bulgaria. And most recently, Brett was featured on Ancient Aliens, which I did see that episode, on the History Channel. Brett is the author of the book Children of the Greys, a personal account of his lifelong abduction experiences, and a book called Ghost Stories of Las Vegas. Brett was brought to my attention uh, via fellow researcher Grant Cameron upon noticing some pretty amazing congruencies in our experiences, which we'll talk about in a bit because they are pretty far out, (laughs) and I've never met anybody uh in this uh experience that has had so many similarities with my own experience. But first I'd like to welcome Brett to the show. So how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing great, Suzanne. I appreciate you having me on. I uh I'm so glad we, we did get to come together and, and uh get to meet. Uh I I kind of heard about you the same way through Grant and uh since we've got the talk I've been pretty blown away by a lot of the things we've uh, we've shared uh same type of experiences and even though we've uh, never met or knew each other
0: this is very true and and so that being said don't you think it's very interesting that we can read and hear about all these experiences through the years now i mean i i started doing my own personal research a few years ago but as a lifetime experiencer i've always been interested in the subject and as a child I was very fascinated with sci fi and reading a lot of books way before my time. I, I was probably eleven or twelve and I was reading, you know, uh Michael Crichton and, you know, Ray Bradbury and Frank Herbert and somewhere I read something very similar about you, that you were also very drawn to uh the sci fi aspect of um the paranormal. I also got into uh, wanting to learn more about witchcraft which is quite bizarre. Why would I want to know about that? I mean, and vampires. So I, I was wondering about that, about you, Brett, do you think that possibly your childhood fascination with these subjects might have, um, opened up your mind to other possibilities and, and were your experiences the precursor for you to wanting to read these books?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in my case, um, I, I only had memories of my first two events and, um, and then I had a, a severe reaction watching, uh, the Wizard of Oz with my family one night when the flying monkeys came on. And I think it just triggered something, you know, that the, the reminded me of what had happened to me. And, uh, and subsequently ever s- after that event, uh, I was pretty much had all the memories blocked until my mid twenties, early twenties. And, um I think, uh, that what, what started happening with me is, uh, a lot of paranormal activity relating to, uh, spirit communication and ghosts. And, um I would, I, I was brought up in a really strict religious family and any, anything along the, that nature of things would pretty much be attributed to demons and, um, or they would think you were possessed or, mm-hmm. you know, um, fill in the blanks. And so I had to, Kind of start getting interested in that um, as a way to. Uh, I tried. I really wanted to make it stop, and I had no idea at the time that, uh, that like I do now, or what it was all about. We can talk about that later. You know, as to as to what the cause is of that. But and 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 along with that, I was uh, sort of the same way with you. I was really interested in like Star Trek and anything. Uh, of of space related i remember like being out uh, in the country when i was a kid and you know looking up at the stars and talking to my cousins about i'm sure there's life out there and stuff like that stuff that normal kids um, pretty much don't think about you know and i i, I was the, the kid at school that was um we we had these uh, weekly reader things
0: i <laughs> Oh i remember those
1: <laughs> and i would order all the all the stuff about bigfoot and the loch ness monster and you know anything alien related and and this was like you know when i was in 6th or 7th grade but spent most of my time like researching uh that was the beginning of, of it all you know and it started out just as means to understand what was happening to me with the ghost and and how to uh protect myself because i couldn't get anybody to listen to me mm. uh and i was kind of afraid to even tell anybody about it and uh and it just kind of went from there
0: right so when you had this fascination obviously your parents were aware of the fact that you were reading these things. Did they ever question why?
1: No, no, they they really didn't. Um, you know, they just thought it was just something I was interested in, and they never really brought up any kind of uh anything negative about it. I, I'm sure they were curious as to why, but they never really, they, they let me do it.
0: Well, that's great. Um Now, you did have some paranormal experiences when you were a child, a very young child, as I recall. So... Was your first experience a paranormal event? I mean, obviously we can say that, quote-unquote, alien abduction is, would be considered paranormal. Obviously, it's not a normal experience. but right. But did you see an apparition first, or did you have an actual visitation um, with your earliest memory?
1: No, I, I lived in a, uh, a very rural area in southern Illinois, uh, out in the farm. And to this day, um, it's still just uh, you have to take a gravel road to get to it. I recently um, pulled it up on Google Earth, and it, it looks uh, pretty much the same as it did uh, back then, except for a, a couple large barns being built that wasn't there at the time. But uh, it was surrounded. Uh, there was no street lights surrounded by cornfields and soybean fields and very remote. Uh, I, I hadn't been exposed to um, uh, anything other than just being a normal kid and, uh I didn't have comic books. Uh I I'd, I'd never seen anything monster or alien related at all. And um so I'd never had any kind of uh, of ghost experiences or, or anything until until I was first taken. Um that, that seemed to start start it all.
0: And what uh, but, was that? Uh
1: I was five years old. Um and uh it, it was in nineteen sixty three and uh there had been a a UFO flap uh in in the surrounding counties uh, by where we lived, where, uh, you know, I just recently found that out. I didn't even know it. Um, I was just kind of uh, ran across it one time in my research, and it really took, took me back because uh, in August of that same year, there had been numerous sightings uh, reported uh, of people seeing uh, various strange lights and stuff. And you're talking these farmers who won't report anything, you know, especially back in the early 60s and um th- th- so I, there was uh, that's just the people that reported so who knows how many saw stuff and didn't report it and then there was a pretty pretty well known case where a young couple was driving back from Mount Vernon Illinois uh which was probably the closest big town or city small city that we lived by uh they went to the driving over there and they were driving back to the town that was a, a little town called Wayne City Illinois it was very close uh, a few miles from where we lived out on the farm and uh they had claimed that they had been basically chased by uh, a UFO, and, uh, of course, were really shook up about it. Uh, it it, it kind of made uh, 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 the news on a big way because the, the Air Force actually sent people out to investigate, took radiation readings, and uh, uh, so they were pretty interested in, in the story. Um, you know, it was a typical, you know, the car had malfunctioned and, um, you know, that type of thing like that, and, and they other witnesses had seen it. And that all happened, um, uh, just a couple months before I was first taken. I don't know if there's, there was any connection to it or not, uh, or not, you know, but I thought it was pretty interesting that there was this huge flap in that, in the summer before the fall I was taken.
0: So what happened when you were taken?
1: Well, we, uh, the farmhouse, this farmhouse, uh, that we lived in was a two story and it had a staircase that was in the middle of the house um there's a lot of old time houses um older houses like that i've been in on ghost investigations same type of setup where you can actually close a door and close off the top part of the house and when it started getting cold in, in the late fall that's exactly what uh it was my my mom and my stepdad and they um to save heating they shut off the top part of the house where normally uh I slept and it was my younger brother and sister and they put us down had this house had a large uh like living room area type thing, and uh, and hardwood floors, and basically, my sister slept on the sofa, and, and my brother and I uh, got the privilege of sleeping on the floor, <laughs> so wow. uh, on on just a, a bunch of quilts, you know, things like that. And uh, one night, for some reason, I I, I was I, I woke up, I opened my eyes, and I saw this really bright light coming through um, the side window and uh, i had no idea what could be causing it um because like i said there was no there was no kind of street lights or anything out there and i started hearing a voice uh urging me to come to the window and at first i thought it was my stepdad i mean i'm only five you know and um so i raised up and i looked around and i didn't see anybody i couldn't understand you know who was talking to me and it, it uh kept urging me to come to the window and I was just a curious little boy. And that's, that's what I did. And I got up, you know, walked across the cold hardwood floor and I didn't go to the window where, where the, the light was the strongest. I, I went to the front window, which was just adjacent corner to it. And I, we had these white uh, really thin curtains, no blinds. I uh, didn't really need them out there. And uh, I remember like standing at the window, uh, I looked at my right hand up and, and to pull the curtains aside. And when I did, uh, that changed my life forever because right on the other side of the window was the typical gray, uh, that we know today. Uh, of course I had never seen anything like that at the time. Um, and had no idea what I was looking at. Uh, the shock, uh, it, it just, I had nightmares, uh, up until, really up until this book came out. This book was a healing process for me, but just the first, it made such a indelible mark on my psyche that it was just something that even as a an adult, I would dream this same thing again, uh, of pulling back that curtain and, and seeing that face just like right there. And there was two other ones standing a little further back by this oak tree we had in the front yard. And the next thing I remember, uh, I'm on a table, uh, s- just screaming. Uh, I, I wasn't, uh, like the typical paralyzed and you can't move, you know, which has happened many times since then, but the initial one, uh, wasn't like that. And I was just going berserk and screaming for my mom to help me. And there was nobody there to help. And, uh, they uh, actually turned themselves to doctors. Uh, they were surrounding the table and I guess they thought that would comfort me or something. they made me think that they look like doctors and they all had like surgical masks on and, and doctor's uniforms, uh, possibly drew from my subconscious to, to, uh, to use that. It didn't work. It didn't help. Uh, I was, I would have been just as frightened, <laughs> you know, of, of that as well. But, um, and they eventually got me calmed down and they took me to, um, an area of, I perceived to be a craft. Uh, and it was a, a sort of a sunken down area in a semicircular with the, these bench type seats that were built into the craft. And there was more of the small grays there and that's where I first met, uh, the tall gray. They set me down beside him and he began to befriend me. And I had nothing, uh, really to grasp onto, uh, as a, at that age. And, and I, I just was thinking, well, at least this one's nice to me. That began a relationship with the tall gray that, that goes on to this day. Um, he has uh, always been cordial. Uh, will sometimes answer uh, questions depending on what it is. I'm sure that he's clearly in charge, uh, as well as the other tall greys. But um, I've never been seen him directly involved in any of the procedures, experiments, or anything else I've been subjected to. Even though I'm, I'm sure that he's probably ordered it done. Mm. That was uh, that. They took me one other time. Uh, from the farmhouse, um, and the second time, uh, they became, uh, the same, same type of scenario, except I went through the mudroom room the second time and out into the, out into the back porch. And, uh, they, they escorted me out across, the, the yard and, and started going to a field. And that was the last thing I remember. And after that, uh, was the uh, Wizard of Oz incident. And, uh, I, but I had told my mom at the time about the little men who came to visit me. And she pretty much dismissed it as, "Oh, you know, it's imaginary friends. Kids have these, and and this kind of thing." And uh, she had no idea. Uh, I can't really blame her for, mm-hmm. for, for for dismissing it. I mean, we were just uh, you know, we we were just fa- farm people, <laughs> you know. It just wasn't something that got brought up. People didn't talk about aliens, and and she uh, probably
0: said, "Don't tell anybody about this." <laughs> uh, no, she didn't because
1: uh, she didn't she didn't even. Equate that together as any kind of event. She really just thought, okay, he's just talking about imaginary friends. You know, it's something kids do. And of course, now she was very puzzled when I really had uh, the, the adverse reaction to seeing, um, the flying monkeys on the Wizard of Oz. I'm sure that got her attention, hmm. but, uh, and I think, uh, that's one of the reasons that they probably start suppressing my memory after that and even though i spent my childhood with with all the signs um uh chronic nosebleeds and uh, i did have a very mysterious illness uh when i was around 13 14 years, between 13 and 14 years old which i've since found out is is a common thing and uh no one could figure out uh, no doctors could figure out what what was uh, happening to me and it got, I got so weak I couldn't even get upstairs anymore, and they were about to hosp- put me in a hospital. Uh, we, they would have did it sooner, but we didn't have any insurance, you know, so they were trying to hold off to the last minute. And then I have this dream, uh, and once again I see the grays. Um, and I remember thinking, like, because by this time uh, I had at least was aware of them, and I remember thinking, well, that's just a bizarre dream because uh, these aliens told me I was going to be all right. And I don't remember anything that they that they did to me at the time. But the next morning I woke up, and I was a lot better. I wasn't completely cured, but I was a lot better. And I started eating again, and I made a really rapid recovery after that. And it wasn't uh, much longer uh, that I was standing at the kitchen sink with my shirt off, and my mom comes up behind me, and she says, what happened to your back? And I didn't know what she was talking about and I went and looked, uh, in, in a mirror and I, you know, I saw this large red mark, uh, across my lower back. I had no idea how I got it. Um, and it, it turned out she called the, the local doctor who just was a, a rural doctor that, that worked out of his house. Uh, and <laughs> he just says, Oh, you know, kids this age, young boys this age, it's probably, uh, they get these, uh, growth spurts and, and, you know, I was six to like 14 years old. So, wow. uh, I, I'd already pretty much had growth spurt Uh, and, and he says, it's probably a stretch mark and it's nothing. Don't worry about. And so we, we didn't even check it out at that time. And, uh, but then I started discovering as uh, uh, over the next few years, I would have these, uh, uh, I ended up with a couple more, uh, scars across my upper back this time. And, um, uh, and scoop marks uh, on my left side, rib cage, and there was a lot of stuff I couldn't explain. It really started getting my attention, and the doctors couldn't explain them either, and even to this day, they can't explain them. I go to get a physical pretty much every year, and um, uh, even last year, I took my wife with me and, and had her go in the room, you know, just because we had I had a new doctor, a female doctor, and she... She says, do so you have any questions and that type of thing? Cause I've been in remarkable health, uh, which I pretty much attribute to them as well. And, and, um, I said, yeah, uh, can you, can you look at these, uh, these scars on my back? Because I had other doctors tell me, ask me, uh, when did you have surgery? And I never did have back surgery. And I, so, you know, they were perplexed by it as well. And, but this time I, I took Gina in to, uh, to just sort of, second person you know hearing what the doctor had to say because it's always been a little bit frustrating to me that they cannot figure out where these scars came from and uh the lady was just like all the other doctors i've ever showed them to uh just scratching her head she had no idea and she says well you know they're getting ready to take blood like you do in your physicals and she says well uh we can run a there's something it might be if you have something this particular disease that causes your skin to do strange things or whatever and it, it, we can run an extra blood test, and I'm like, you know what? Go ahead. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be drawing blood anyway. You know, what's another vial? So go ahead. And um, and they did. And when I called uh, to get my, or when they called me to, with my test results, I said, wait a minute. You know, because they said, All right, everything's a-okay. You're you're great. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And uh, uh, I said, well, what about the the special blood test they were checking for for, for the scars and stuff? And they said, no. Nope. Uh, It's not, it's not that disease. You don't have that disease. And I says, well, what is it then? What causes the scars? And it was one of those, well, we're consulting with another doctor and, uh, we're, we're both really puzzled by it and that type of thing. And they never did get back with me about it, which has always been the case.
0: Right. Well, that's really an interesting story as I'm listening to you tell this. I had, um, asthma as a child. And I was a runner, so it was really difficult for me to deal with. And I had it off and on throughout my adolescence. And then again, it it happened when I was in my 20s. And I had what they called either stress-induced asthma and exercise-induced asthma. And I remember having this dream where something was being done to me as well. And when I woke up, I was laying on my stomach, which I had never done before. And I had the most intense pain in my back over my uh, left shoulder blade, where I would almost say that, that it would be equal to if you had like a collapsed lung or something. I couldn't hmm. breathe. And then I could feel the pain just slowly dissipate. And I never had asthma again. I don't know if it's, you know, related to that or if it was just a coincidence, but it went away and I've never had it since. Hmm.
1: You know, I, I do think there's a lot of negative uh, aspects to what happens to us, but uh, and, and what I try to tell anybody out there that thinks they, that thinks or knows that they've had these experiences is to to, to draw the positives from it. It, it. it helps in the coping. It makes it so much easier because it's, it's just like what you're talking about. Uh, you know, you're not sure if that's if they if they did that, but it, it when it starts getting like. Like Brad Steiger's buddy of mine, um, and, and, contributed to the book, you know, he, he has a thing that I never forget. He always says, well, there's no such thing as coincidence. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, like in your case, you know, is that just a coincidence that you never had asthma again? Or, you know, did they have a hand in it? But I, I do think, you know, they have, uh, on occasion, uh, healed me and, uh, and and of all the negative things and, and the trauma, that uh, I have a lot of memories, um, and, and probably not even a fraction of everything that, that every time I've been taken, but, but of course I ended up in therapy of, <laughs> from it. So, uh, but I, so what I try to do now, and I try to, to tell others, uh, is to, to think about the positive things. I mean, think about what you've pulled from this and, and, and healings are a part of it. I mean, they do these, uh, so these intrusive procedures to you and, and, you know, the, the, the physical stuff, I think you can always heal from. I have no memories, uh, of what happened where I got these scars mm-hmm. and probably because it was so traumatic that my subconscious, it just, it, it's protecting me by not letting me remember it. Right. Uh, you know, it won't surface. Um, but, you know, when you talk in my case, I, I've, I've been like just remarkably healthy other than, uh, sinus infections, which I, I really attribute to, uh, I, I've seen it pretty common among um, people that's been taken, uh, especially I call people like us lifers, <laughs> you know, so it's people that started very young and, and it continues. Uh, sinus infections seem to be quite common. It, it may have to do with the uh, implants. I, I know, you know, my nose bleeds. I, I actually asked them to. I remember the implant getting put in. Uh, I hated it. Uh, and, you know, I think that was one of the major factors on chronic nosebleeds with the doctors couldn't get a grip on either. Right. And what, and, and it got so bad in, in my twenties that I mean, I remember like standing out here in Vegas and like in the middle of a casino and just all of a sudden my blood just starts running out of down my face, you know, my nose is bleeding and, uh, no, no reason at all. And it, so I, I, I remember asking them, please, please take it out. Please move. And they did. Oh wow. Uh, and I haven't had nosebleeds since then. Wow. But, you know, if you look at the healings and things like that, uh, just like, uh, what happened to me, I remember that dream and I remember, well, that's just odd that I would have this dream about aliens, but I didn't really at that time, uh, correlate the two together. Mm. You know, I just thought, well, that was just an odd dream. And, and, uh, you know, because I, I still didn't, you know, everything been blocked. I didn't really know what was happening to me.
0: And doesn't it make sense to you that, maybe we don't remember these things that have happened to us that were quite intrusive. Maybe we were out just like uh, we were having a normal surgery here. An anesthesiologist would knock us out for a major surgery. So we won't have, you know, the pain, the memory and all of that. So why would that be any different? And the other thing that I wanted to ask you is we don't have memories of these things that seem to be quite traumatic. And, I feel that a lot of people have regression to find out the things that have happened to them because they need to have some closure. I myself have not had that for that very reason, because it scares me to death to even think about what might've happened. And I don't right. really think it really makes a difference whether I remember that or not. It's not important. Right. I know it happened and I'm fine with that. How do you feel about regression?
1: I agree with you hundred percent. Um, the, the, I, I really, uh, never felt the need for it because when I started having, uh, severe panic attacks and ended up in therapy and even when, uh, I, I started, uh, studying meditation, I was going to classes, I was seeing this guru type guy, uh, you know, teaching metaphysics and, um, I even, I even took like a, a self-hypnosis class, um, once I did realize when this uh, opened up the floodgates, that 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 was all the thing. I tapped into my subconscious and pretty much opened up the floodgates and all these memories. And I still denied it. I, I was like, uh, I, I just did not. Which I which I since have learned is classic symptoms of you know post PAS post abductive syndrome. They actually have a name for it now. And denial of the event is one of the things I did not want to accept it because I started having all these memories and these dreams and and and. I, I, I would see certain things that would trigger a memory uh, at that time, and I didn't even tell my therapist. Uh, so, you know, you try to 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 deny it, and I, I, I but I knew that so, I, I I didn't want to what all this stuff was affecting me to the point whatever happened that ended me up in therapy. I've been an athlete when I was younger, uh, you know, played all kinds of sports. I've been in front of people. At the time, I was a musician, you know, playing five nights a week, uh, you know, in front of people. And I, I got like agoraphobic. I didn't want to even leave the house. So whatever it was that triggered that kind of trauma in me, I did not want to relive. I was remembering enough as it was. And and then as it got, I, I, I would read stuff, uh, you know, once I did accept it, which is a big thing to, to, to get to that point. Uh, it does help you deal with it more. Uh, then I didn't want, um, not only not to relive it again, and I, it's still pretty much to this day, uh, I still feel the same as you in that regard, but I also didn't want somebody saying, well, you went to, uh, uh, you know, you got regressed and they just led you to say this mm, stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and they put words in your mouth or they are, you know, under hypnosis, you, uh, you know, they they were just leading you down this path of of this abduction thing, and that, they they can't say that about me because it's never happened. You know, it, right? Um, so, but I I've, I've toyed with the idea now, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and and, and I may uh, I, I may get to the point where uh, like and just try it, but I, I remember talking to Travis Walton and uh, like off the record type thing and. No, it's he, on the
0: record. <laughs> well, it is. It will be, it will be
1: in a few minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but he, but, uh, no, I don't think he'll mind him. Mean, no. He's probably said it publicly, but he told me that when during regression that it was so, he was, they, they brought him out, but what he was remembering and you know, he told me, he says, the guy, the guy told me he's like, you know, th- this actually may kill you. You may go, you may go into cardiac arrest or something because you, the fear you're exhibiting here is, is at such a high level. I would advise just leaving, leaving this where it's at. Don't right. bring it out. Right. And, and that's the thing that I worry about. Like, like that was a good point you had about the scars and stuff. And that may very well be the case uh, and why, uh, that, that we don't remember, like when it gets to the point of doing something to, uh, to, to leave a a physical scar.
0: Right. Um, well, that doesn't sound pleasant when you obviously have these scars on your back. So anything that happened during that experience would not be a pleasant experience. So what good would it do to relive that experience, possibly creating even more trauma that you'd have to deal with almost like a, a rape victim, right? You know, they're conscious during that or an assault, any type of assault you know right. you, you the ptsd experience from those events are are horrible so what what good would it do this is
1: very similar uh i, I uh because even the sexual aspect of this that's not often talked about right. i mean essentially um you know we are raped uh you know I, even as a man you know people's like oh how is this possible well it's trust me it's possible and uh you know i i've had uh you know, sperm extracted since I was a teenager. Um, and with their mind control capabilities, there, there is nothing you can do to, to stop it. Uh, whether you, whether you, you want it, whatever you want, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant to them. Mm. Um, they're going to, they're going to do what they're going to do. And so you, you are dealing with that in just a, a, a different regard. You know, it's, it's, um, but it's very akin to, uh, the same kind of trauma, uh, that a rape victim feels, um, because that is part of what happens, uh, especially at least pertaining to the graves.
0: Well, I agree. And so I think that's really strange that we do have those memories of such a horrible procedure, but maybe not the others. So I wonder why that would be.
1: Well, they don't, they don't, um, they don't they they actually seem to want to monitor especially when it comes to monitor your emotions, especially when it comes uh to sexuality. I think it's something that they don't understand um as far as uh I don't think they understand us as far as our uh, emotional makeup uh, we don't even understand us you know I mean <laughs> so you know um and I think they're, it's with them because they're so devoid of, of emotions. Um, once again, still talking about the grace, but that in dealing with the hybrids, um, cause there is a definite hybridization program going on. And I think these hybrids are, 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 are coming out, uh, with those attributes, those human attributes. Um, and it, it, there's starting to be the separation where, you know, the, the hybrids have, some degree of emotional makeup in their DNA and they're exhibiting these particular emotions. And uh, the grays themselves, uh, you know, that it's starting to create a gap. So they're really, they're really, really interested in in what makes us tick and setting up these experiments. Uh, and some of it is sexual. Of mm-hmm. course they understand the biological part of it. But the emotional part of it, behind it, um, you know, I've been subjected to to something like that um, with other humans, and it was an, seemed to be more of an observation thing than anything. Would, um,
0: you, would you be able to share that with us?
1: Well, um, I was taken uh, to a room um, by two small, uh, and we could we could set this right off the bat. I, I believe that the small. Typical small graves that everybody is depicted, that everybody talks about, everybody that's in, depicted in the media, I really believe that they are workers. They're, uh, I, I think they're biological robots. Um, and they're just doing their job and, you know, they seem almost programmed. They have a high mentality, logic based. Um, the, the tall graves are the, are the clear, clearly in charge and, and run everything. And, um, but I was taken to, uh, an area. Um, once again, I, I believe this is to be an extraterrestrial craft, uh, and I have had experiences where I don't believe I'm on a craft. But uh, there's certain aspects uh, of the lighting and the way the crafts build, and, and you know, those of us that's that's seen them and 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 been on them, you know, we we know what that is. And um, there, in my experiences, most of there's ramps and not stairs, and uh, there was this half sort of a like a half egg, like, a, you know, if you split an egg in half and it was a dome like dome shaped room and I was, I was nude. Um, and sometimes that is the case. Uh, they will just parade you around, uh, naked. Sometimes they'll ask you to put on, um, uh, uh, this sort of tight fitting in my case, black, um, clothing. And, but I was nude and I was escorted by, by two small ones. Um, was led into this room, and um, it was a rather large room. And on the left side, there was a ramp uh, going up to the front of the room. And as we were, and on the floor, there was all these like uh, sort of like not cots, but like these things sort of coming out of the floor, uh, like little little mattresses, bed type things, uh, and quite a few of them, uh, all lined up perfectly in order and uh there was there was other naked humans uh on them and we were we actually passed uh as we're going up this ramp on the on the left side uh there was a an opening and i looked over to my left into the opening and there was a room not very big f- but there was there had to been maybe you know 15 to 20 humans in there males um all nude and they were all in sort of some sort of Catatonic state, um, like like awake but but not awake, you right. know. Um, and they didn't even like notice me, and I was like, "Wow, you know, why am I? Why aware. am I still aware and coherent?" You know. And um, and then not much further up the ramp, uh, there was a second room, and it was full of females, all the same exact way, um, and completely unaware of even each other. It seemed like, and I, I wanted to get a better look to see, you know, but I was kept, kept, uh, being escorted to the front of of the room. And there was these, uh, sort of, uh, platform at the, at the top. And, um, with these built in seating that, that would almost remind you of like a King and it's throne type thing, you know, and, uh, and there was tall gray sitting in those, um, all around the front. And, um, and I was taken down to the floor and uh, brought over in front of this uh, dark-headed woman. I don't know who, you know, I had no idea who these people were. And um, was told, basically, we were, it was, uh, it sounds like it was some kind of big orgy, but it wasn't. Um, they were matching up certain people um, and uh, basically forcing them to have sex and... The, uh, mo- not all, but most of the people seemed sort of in that catatonic state. And there was a few of them that was like me that seemed a little bit more aware of what was going on, but there was no refusing. Um, there, I, I can't stress enough. And you're probably aware of this, but the mental capabilities mm. of these, uh, of these beings is, is like nothing we can even comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter how hard you want to try to resist, it's, you just can't. And the sooner that you, you, uh, accept that, the easier things get, but, um, and it seemed, and they seem to be, uh, observing all of this, you know, like, um, and, and I don't know, it was just to monitor everybody's, uh, Emotional reaction to it, even though they didn't realize like, you know, there wasn't going to be any kind of passion or, you know, right. that type of thing like that. I mean, they, they didn't, it was really interesting that they didn't, uh, real, that they didn't understand that part of it because that seemed to be what the whole thing was about. Unless, uh, the only other thing that I had thought about was that they had matched up certain people genetically mm. that they were, that they were looking for and they actually did want to impregnate somebody, you know, to, and then eventually take the fetus. Um, that could be another possibility. Wow. But I, and that was, a, that was something that i never, uh, read about, heard about or anything. And I thought, man, that's just the, uh, but I had to, uh, in my book, I mean, I had, I, I, I just left nothing back. You know, I just, I told it all in, in as much detail as I could remember. And I was actually contacted by a lady, um, who has had a lot of experiences, and she's had a lot of reptilian experiences, but also with the grays and, and, and with the grays and reptilians working together, uh, who told me that she got to that chapter. It's the chapter uh, I talk about that and, and also being forced uh, to be with a hybrid, a female hybrid one time. And she said that, um, she would just almost start crying that she was so floored, much like what happened with you and I and, and, and a couple of our things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she was just so taken back by it. And she sent me a picture that she had drawn, uh, way before she read my book. And, um, she, and she has witnesses of that as well. I mean, she, uh, another lady, um, who uh, has had experiences that I know in Tennessee, uh, actually knew this woman. And she, she, pretty much uh, verified, you know, like, no, no, these drawings were way before your book. Uh, and she sent me um, uh, this picture and a similar type thing. There was like these blue kind of mattress things. But in her case, she remembered like some sort of a tank thing being in the middle. Uh, and it was the same deal. Like there was uh, she didn't remember the number of people that I did, but she was forced. Uh, and she actually knew one of the people that was there. Oh, wow. Uh, and she kept, she, she said there was another guy beside her that was reaching out to her, like either asking for help or trying to help her. She wasn't quite sure. And he was a little bit more aware than some of the other people. And, um, you know, she said that the person that she knew, uh, was there and was basically raping her. Wow. Uh, and, and she, and she told me, she said he had that same catatonic, like nothing was there look on his face uh and she kept screaming it's me stop stop it's me and it didn't matter you know it was but she understands if she understood the mind control thing but it was uh, it was really interesting to come across somebody like that that had been in the same type of uh uh sexual circumstance you know while being taken uh, because it's just a shame that there's such a taboo about it that nobody wants to talk about that aspect of it, even though it's one of the main things that happen, and and the, one of the main things that has to do with the hybridization program.
0: Right, and and also, uh, I think that the whole sexual aspect of it, uh, there, it's very highly emotional, and I feel in my a lot of my experiences that I've had, um, I feel that I'm being watched as well. And a few of them have been extremely sexual, um, situations. And ironically or not, uh, I am now with a fellow experiencer. We've been together for, uh, two and a half years now. And we feel that we have been watched and we have shared dream experiences that were sexual. Um, so I don't know what it is and why we're being monitored. Are we being put together in these experiences for another mm-hmm. reason? Um, right. But one thing that I do want to talk about now is is that part of the experience where you and I have shared uh, some similarities that are just astounding to me because up until now I've never met anybody who has shared the very exact same things as, as myself. And these were the things that were brought to my attention via Grant Cameron. Um, he had told me that he had heard you speak about an experience with the tall gray where you s- received some information. He was doing a lot of research into downloads and things, and, and that was one of the questions that he had had was, are we receiving downloads as experiencers, whether it be through meditation, in our dreams, um, during a visitation? And it did resonate with me when he had said that because I feel that I have. But when he started sharing with me the things that you had gone through I was floored and that was with an experience on a craft in particular um, with this tall being that you said that you've um, been in contact with pretty much your whole life and the one that seems to be really friendly towards you more more kindred um, I want to hear your side of the story because again I want to hear it from your mouth <laughs> exactly so I can compare it to mine, and then we can talk about it. So uh, why don't you tell me about that experience?
1: Well, um, I was uh, escorted only by one gray into a room, um, and the tall gray was in there waiting for me. And uh, there was a... Uh, an area of it that was sort of just a little bit higher up than, than the, uh, the rest of the room, sort of like a little platform kind of area. And right before, uh, the ramp that went up to that little area, there was some screens there. And he showed me, uh, he's, it was, you know, of course, telepathically, but he was, uh, insisting that I watch these scenes of, uh, Earth's destruction, um, which, seems to be quite common um among abductees and uh you know i i watched for a while and it was just all this disaster after disaster type things and i kept asking why are you showing me this and i and i told him that i don't believe uh, that you're ever going to let this happen and i said you know this you're never going to let this happen because it's going to disrupt everything in the, in the universe and i think he seemed satisfied with that and he kind of just uh Led me around the around the, up the ramp up to uh, to this area and asked me to sit down on this uh, small bench and uh, I didn't want to sit down but you know he kept insisting that I that I sit down and, and of course I was way too big for this, this small bench but there was a wall there and above the wall there was uh, symbols all along the top by the ceiling and at the top part of the wall. Not really high, hieroglyphic type symbols, but something that would kind of, you know, remind you, uh, you know, real, uh, geometric design type, type symbols. And he stood in front of this wall and he, he was telling me that he had something that he wanted me to see. And, um, the wall disappeared and turned into like a holographic screen. Um, it was just amazing to see. And I was just like, you know my god, you know and and then the this formula starts like just coming up on the screen. I don't even know how how uh maybe he was just through his thought process, I don't know, but um and it, it looked pretty involved, you know, <laughs> and I was just like what I was very very confused and 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 I was like what is this what 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 do you what are you showing me this? I don't understand, and he says, um Something to the effect. Uh, well, before that, he had let me ask him uh, a question. I should say this because it's pretty important. I think uh, Grant has told me he's actually used this on a couple times. He said, "Yes, she, yes, she may." And and I said, um, "It's it just something that always like ate at me. You know, I really never cared like where they were from because you know they could say some planet somewhere. It wouldn't mean anything to me. They might even be interdimensional, as we talked about before." Um, and, but my, my thing I always wanted to know is, and I asked him, I said, who is your God? And without hesitation, he says, we are all one with the one who is all. And that was it. You know, it was just like, and, and I, I, I was, I couldn't even reply back because it was so profound in its simplicity that I, somehow it just like clicked with me. It was like, well, that just totally makes sense, you know? And I thanked him. Uh, I didn't, I didn't ask anything else. And I, 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 that's, I went and sat on the bench and then that's when the, I, I got ahead of myself, but that's when, uh, you know, this, this hol this math equation starts appearing on this, this sort of like holographic screen, but it was huge. I mean, you know, it was, uh, he says, on your planet, uh, you have a disease called cancer. And I said, yes, we do. And he says, this is the cure. And I was like, oh my God. I was happy, you know, at first I was happy and I, I sort of fell for it. Like, oh, I can't, this is incredible. He's, he's given me the cure for cancer. It's all been worth it. I'm thinking, you know, like oh, everything I've been through, you know, it's all been worth it if it's led to this. And, um, and so I said, <laughs> it was, it sounds silly now, but I actually asked for something to write on <laughs> because uh, I told him, uh, I, I said, Can I, I need something to write on. I have to copy this. He says, no, you have to remember it. And I said, I can't. I'm not even good at math. (laughs) And, um, and and it was the truth, you know, I mean, I've always been a good student, but math's never been one of my (laughs) fortes, you know, especially that kind of math. And, um, it it got, I got really started to get upset because I realized that he, that he wasn't going to let me write this down, and I started begging him, please, please, no, just something, something to copy this on, you know, I, I can't remember it, I can't, and um, I got so upset that that he, he uh, they escorted me out, um, and I, I remember, like, just leaving the room, you know, they were, like, not wanting to leave the room, and I, as I was leaving the room, I was still, like, begging him, you know, please, please, let, let, let me, let me, you know. Let me have it. Let me, let me write it down. Um, and so it it wasn't, uh, I'd never heard of anybody else until you, um, you know, having uh, something very similar.
0: Yeah. And may I ask how old you were when this happened?
1: Um, this, I guess I was still in my twenties.
0: Okay. Yes. I had this, uh, almost identical experience, and that's why it just floored me, because uh, well, I was only nine at the time, and I was with who I called the emperor, and he was a very tall being, and he was so loving and warm, and I felt very familiar with him, and so I feel that I might have seen him in a prior experience, but I, I can't be quite sure at this time but he did the same thing to me and it was very strange it was almost like I was granted three wishes you know what I mean and I had Mm -hmm. not prompted anything he just started giving me this information and so the first thing he did was showed me an algebraic equation and it was also a holographic um screen I'm gonna say it almost like a three-dimensional um uh, equation mm-hmm. I can't explain it so whereas we would look at a an equation on a piece of paper this would had like it was more like three-dimensional it was almost like you could walk around it and it would be more like a, a molecule or, or you know describing DNA right. I don't know it would be something like that and I said what is this and he said I said I don't understand math at all why are you showing this to me? This makes no sense to me at all. And of course, a nine year old understanding algebra in the first place, right. you know, is, is, you know, obviously ridiculous, but he said to me telepathically, you will understand it when it's time. And I just accepted it. I didn't ask for a piece of paper like you did. I just said, huh, all right, you know, just whatever. And then, um, he proceeded to tell me, that the cure for cancer was something that we used every day. Now mm-hmm. again, as a nine-year-old child, I mean cancer, you hear about it, but it's not on my list of priorities. I'm thinking about, you know, school and, you know, playing with my friends and what have you. Mm-hmm. So I thought that to be a very benign statement and, but I looked at him quizzically and I said, oh, you mean like toothpaste, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And he, he had a sense of humor, which was weird because I, I heard him kind of laugh again telepathically. And he said, yeah, just like that. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And then, um, I was presented with a symbol, which I have since, uh, remembered during a meditation. I did not know it until about two and a half years ago. And it came to me during a meditation and I drew it. Um, I am going to include this drawing of the symbol. On uh, my blog at advocateawareness.blogspot.com, I want to reach out to people. If anybody would recognize what this is, just log in there. I'm, I'm still trying to discover what this might mean. Um, and as far as the cure for cancer is concerned, thinking about that statement now as an adult and with all the research that's been done with uh, cannabis. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's something, it was more like a, you know, we're trying too hard to find the answers to these things. Everything's right under our nose. And that's the impression that I got from him when he gave me this information.
1: That's interesting you bring that up. Uh, I was actually having that conversation this morning really? uh, with my wife and saying the exact same thing. Really? Yeah.
0: And what did you talk about?
1: Uh, that uh, we were talking that, I had remembered you had told me that before and we were actually discussing that. And I had came across um this story about uh this kid who was having these epileptic seizures and he was taking like I think twenty two pills a day and it was about to kill him, he was only seven years old. And um, the dad was like, Look, this medicine's killing him. Um they they really didn't think he would live a couple more weeks and um, you know, he started using um uh, uh Canvas oil, uh, with very low THC content. And the first day, uh, the kid had no seizures and he was having them every 30 minutes his entire life, um, up to that point. And he eventually like got off all, all the medicines, but the story kind of triggered that in me. And I was telling Gina this morning, I was like, you know, um, maybe, uh, when the tall gray told Suzanne that that's what he was talking about mm-hmm. because it's so prevalent everywhere easy act you know uh, easy to grow anyway and, and a lot of the climates and uh, and it's, it's all over the planet uh, wouldn't that really be something if it was something that simple
0: right and so that was something that I was very curious about to share with you and hear your side of, of your experience because I did not remember this situation with him until I was in my 20s when I seemed to start recalling a lot of my experiences, which it seemed there was a long time span in between where I really had no recollection about anything. It's almost like I, I entered a phase of my life of discovery. And so as an adult thinking about this, and now all the research has been done since then, it seems like it's all starting to make sense. And mm-hmm. I drew a picture of him for um, somebody who uh, collects a lot of drawings of people's um experiences and, and the beings that they've experienced and come in contact with. And you shared with me the drawing of this being, and I almost fell to the floor when I saw your drawing because this very exact being that I'm talking about was so similar to your rendition. Actually, it was your brother who drew this mm-hmm. for your book. And so how can this be? How can we have such congruent experiences, not even knowing each other, almost to a T with the same type of information? What do you think this means?
1: Well, you know, another interesting thing that, um, you talked about, uh, some sort of, uh, device, um, you know, uh, uh in the, uh, in the heart chakra. Right. On the, all the, on the tall gray. Right. And, uh, like I remembered seeing something there, and I know when I was telling my brother, you know, trying to get this across, which he did a fast, just an excellent job of, of. Uh, I mean, when you're trying to draw what's in somebody else's head, it's not easy, right? And, um, and and uh, I told him I was like, you know, there was something like it seemed like I don't know if it was around his neck or something. And I said I don't know if it was part of the clothing or it was some sort of external device, uh, and he sort of drew it like as part of the clothing in the sketch, you know, mm-hmm. uh, well really can't tell 100% for sure, but that was another little interesting thing that we talked about, like, uh, that we both remembered, which is something I haven't, uh, uh, came across either, you know, where right. people are, uh, two people seeing sort of the same sort of like, uh, thing, you know, like, I don't even know what to call it. I don't know what it was. Um, and, and of course you, you remembered, uh, you know, you were sort of a cake type thing and in right. mine, it was sort of a, Flowing robe, but you know, it could have been either, right. um, you know, because, uh, it would just, but it was sort of a loose fitting garment, uh, and both of us, you know, so we did have really, really close, uh, to the, to the same memories. And, and yeah, I had no idea, um, uh, anything about you, you being presented, uh, with that, uh, you know, formula and, uh, and in your description uh, of, of the tall gray and in and wearing it and, and the device, I mean, it's just remarkable. It's remarkable. I mean, it, what's the odds? You know,
0: it's I don't know. Well, what I'm interested is um, in is that um, talking about this now publicly, how many other people out there might remember this as well, and also wanting to connect our experiences together. Maybe we'll start being able to put more pieces of the puzzle together. And I talked to Grant about this and and we've been in communication because I almost feel as if, uh, maybe this formula has something to do with that and not having had a regression up until this point. And I know that you probably feel the same way. What if there's some very vital information in this that we need to remember? And what Mm -hmm. if it is that we need to let go of that fear and think about the bigger picture and not think about us so much as what if this was something that humanity needs to know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that at the grant too, because I, I'm, I'm sort of torn on it because I'm like on one side of me uh, from what I've been through, which has been very traumatic um, says, because uh, they've done a lot of mental type things, uh, you know, creating, putting you in certain scenarios, which uh, basically to elicit a certain emotion um, you know, one time they brought back, you know, uh, m- m- my pet, um, I, I, and it seemed so real. Um, I can only compare it to sort of like the the holograph. Holog- what was it on Star Trek? The the room they went into, it was all. It seemed all real. I don't remember. Uh, uh, but anyway, and, and another time they they brought they brought back my deceased uh, stepdad. Um, but they kind of messed up on that one and I realized what they were doing because I, I was just left in this open room and all of a sudden the room just changes and it's like earth, the sky, you know, uh, my little dog comes running up, you know, that type of thing. And, and I'm sure they're pulling these memories out of my uh, out of my subconscious and ba- basically using them uh, to run these experiments to to elicit a certain emotion. They can monitor like, okay, this triggers this and this triggers that. So it it makes me suspect that this wasn't another one of those things. Like I don't, I I don't trust him, you know, like he's just doing that knowing that I'm going to get upset because knowing that there's no way I can remember this formula. Um, and because I'm thinking, uh, if you show somebody in their twenties this, why, and you're really sincere about it, then why play, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this little mental, uh, Experiment, I guess it would be, uh, but what, unless you're, if you're sincere, then just give it to me. You know, why, why say, oh, no, no, you can't do, you have to, you have to remember it. Um, and so it makes me suspect that it was actually legit. Uh, and I, and I'm also suspect that they would, that they would do something so kind for us.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's, uh, based on your own personal experiences.
1: Right, right. Yeah. But I'm they did really, help I'm you. I'm not really but, on board with this whole, uh, but they know, did help very,
0: you. They did help you.
1: They have. Okay, they have. so yeah. so
0: then we need to kind of think about that for a minute because maybe they are still trying.
1: Well, I I think they've helped us in regards to uh, the the well known you know technology trade off. I mean that's as, as obvious as can be because we certainly didn't have this big leap in IQ, but <laughs> but in the less in the last seventy years, but we've had this big leap in technology. You know. Um, so in that regard, uh, you know, I think they have, uh, helped us and it's probably to their best interest to not let us destroy the planet. Um, but I, I'm not sure what's going on with the hybrid program and I don't believe there's anybody, anybody that is. And, and, uh, you know, I don't think anybody has a grip on this whole thing. I don't care how long you've been researching it, uh, or what you think, you know, I don't think anybody really knows, the true answer, we can all theorize, um, you know, but why, are, why is this hybridization program going on? To what end? You know, is it, is it, is it just, is it to, to, uh, eventually take us over, use this planet? Is it just, they're going back to their own planet, you know, repopulating, um, or, or do they even have a planet anymore? You know, uh, Right. I mean, there's just so many questions. And that's one of the things I've learned is like the more, the, the more you learn about this, the more questions that it, it opens up, you know, it's like the more, the more I learn, the less I know. Um, because it just, you get something answered and it seems like it just, it opens up a whole nother series of questions. Uh, I would like to think that that was the case. I, I really would. I, that would be, um, I mean, that you know, massive implications, needless to say, but, um, and, and, and you know, maybe maybe the time's getting close to try. You know, to try to see uh, for people for us to try to remember. You know, to to do regression and see see what will come out. You know, um, I, I I am starting to toy with the idea. I'll say that. You know, like uh, because I do think about what you said. Like, okay, you know, maybe maybe it is like forget about what you're going to have to go through because if this is real, then you know this is just. It's beyond uh, beyond your own suffering, you know, mm-hmm. uh, way beyond. Right. Um, and, and I would certainly, if I knew for sure it was real, I would certainly be willing to sacrifice that, you know. Right, right. No doubt about it.
0: Right. Uh, well, you know, during a regression, you can really focus on an event and be pretty specific. So I think right. that it's pretty safe to say that, You wouldn't have to go through a journey to get there. So.
1: Right, right.
0: I, I really feel. I met somebody, uh,
1: somebody here, um, but I don't know. It turned out I was warned against, um, you you know how it is. (laughs) Once you come out with this stuff, it's, it's, uh, you know, your life changes quite a bit and, um, you know, you're approached by a lot of different kinds of people and it's really difficult to, uh, to know who to trust, but, uh, but somebody had approached me last summer, uh, about doing regressions and they told me they had some kind of technique that they had developed themselves where you're sort of a third party observing your own self type thing. So you're always, you know, in the safe room and uh, it sounded intriguing. Um, you know, I, I almost, uh, was, was ready to, to give it a go. And, and then I was told by some other people that I that I know better like oh you better stay away from this woman she's she's crazy
0: <laughs> so whatever crazy yeah. is anymore <laughs>
1: yeah but yeah not, not what definition but yeah, right. what, what
0: level of crazy are right. you talking about
1: cuz it really has to do with levels anything.
0: right <laughs> oh dear so then after all these experiences that have happened in your life i mean obviously there seems to be a, a progression uh, leading you to where you are now in the within the experience, and I did a show recently where I talked about the evolution of the visitor experience, which I really feel there has been one for me, and I think that we talked about that, and you had agreed as well, that maybe the experience is evolving, and once we seem to let go of the fear of the experience, it seems that there's more of a conscious um, awakening happening. And I can say that probably collectively with a lot of lifetime experiencers as well. Do you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I've noticed, and one of the positive things that I've pulled from this all is had I not went through all this, maybe I wouldn't be who I am now. Uh, and because it, I've noticed this with uh, a lot of other experiencers that it seems to change how you look at things, um, uh, to some people, it even, you know, it changes their religious beliefs or makes them quit having religious beliefs and, and more spiritual. Um, which is the case with me, but, uh, they, you know, we seem to be sort of enlightened, uh, and care more about the planet and, and the inhabitants of the planet and, and uh, the welfare of animals. Uh, I'm a huge, huge animal advocate. Yeah. Uh, constantly doing things, signing petition, start petitions, starting uh, petitions, you know, to, to change. I, I just, it bothers me to no end the stuff that, that we not only do to each other, fellow humans, but to the animal species on this planet. Uh, it's just sometimes more than I can even take. Um, and so I, I've seen um, that kind of uh, change. And in the last couple of years, it seems to really be amping up. Um, it's, you know, it, it's it, it's getting more and faster.
0: Right. So I have another question for you. What do you think about disclosure or how do you feel about it?
1: Um, well, um, <laughs> I'm hesitant to answer that because I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably piss off a lot of people <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, uh, almost, um, trying to find the right word, but, all this spooky do uh about everybody you know trying to convince our government to disclose uh to me is a waste of time. Right. Uh, it's not going to happen. Right. It's just not going to happen. There's already a huge distrust in the government already and uh and and to think that they're going to go okay, well we did know about these guys, we've been doing this, we got to deal with them or whatever the case may be. Uh we just look the other way uh on and on and on. Um that's just, I just don't see that happening. Um, the only, the only positive thing about that, it, it might be kind of, um, it, it does help bring about more awareness, uh, to the reality of all this. And in, in that regard, I, I respect the people that's doing it. And, uh, you know, and people's like, well, wow, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of evidence and maybe somebody who, who never thought this was possible might look at that and go, wow, you know, these are some pretty prominent people, everything, but I, I think uh, too much is made of it. Uh, really, I think disclosures happening all around us all the time. You just got to open your eyes. That's right. That's it. It's that simple. And, uh, it's slowly, slowly weeding in. I mean, I've had people, uh, tell me, I was like, oh, aren't you, aren't you afraid the government's going to start monitoring you? I'm like, Are, you think I don't think they're not monitoring me? <laughs> but am I afraid of it? No, because I'm doing them a favor. Right. You know? That's the way I look at it. Uh, because the more people they hear about stories like ours, the more people, um, you know, especially, I mean, I mean you, e- even a skeptic, uh, has, they have to, I mean, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, but even the most hardcore skeptic, I mean, even here in what's happened, like even between us, you know, with these similar type of experiences, not knowing each other. I mean, you get to the point where it defies the odds that, you know, I've had an experience with another person, mm. um, where a fetus was taken mm-hmm. and, uh, it was one of the most traumatic things I was subjected to. And this person remembers it verbatim as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, and so, you know, th- those kind of things just don't happen, right. you know, right. uh, uh, so, uh, there's just so much out there that all people, if, if people could just uh, quit worrying about, you know, honey, boo, boo and Kim Kardashian long <laughs> enough then, you know, they might actually learn what, what's really happening in this world. And, and it's it's huge and it's complex, uh, but it's happening on a grand scale, yes, a it grand is. scale.
0: I agree. Well, I know that you spoke about that in a few different interviews, the experience that you had with your, your ex-girlfriend at the time. Um, and I know that you wrote about it in your book, Children of the Greys. So I highly recommend everyone read that book. It sounds quite uh, disturbing, so it might not be for the faint-hearted Brett, I just want to thank you again for joining me today. Um, this has been very enlightening. I hope that we can continue this conversation. And as we both know, we are going to have a lot more experiences to share. Obviously, at this point in our lives, they keep happening. And I know you feel the same way. Are you currently writing another book?
1: Uh, actually I am. Uh, I, I had never planned on it. Um, I just wanted to, it took me over 20 years to write the first one, to decide to write it, you know? Uh, then it took me two years to write it because, uh, it was sort of like the regression thing. You, you, you kind of relive the experiences as you're writing it, but in the end it was very healing and, uh, I'm glad I did it. Uh, it, it's helped uh, a tremendous amount of people and that was the main reason I did it. You know, you're not going to get rich writing a book about, uh, aliens. Uh, and so (laughs) it certainly wasn't about money. Right. But I, I wanted to do, uh, and I, I really respect and appreciate uh, what people like you do. That's out there uh, making the public more aware, and that's that's one of the main reasons that I come out with my story. I'm not I'm not getting any younger, and I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to people to know. Like, look, I have a lot to to tell you about, and um, I, I'm one of the few that remembers a lot. And and I wanted to share that with the public and bring about more awareness. And most of all, I wanted to help in in whatever way possible other people that's experiencing this. Because there's a lot of people traumatized by this that's out there that's had these experiences, and it's a long process of healing and coping. Right. And uh, you know, so and and, it, and I have you know that's the most rewarding part of it. I, I've been contacted from people all over the world. It's like, oh, you know, something you wrote in this book. I I don't feel so alone. I have a voice. Uh, you know, it helped me know that this particular thing happened to somebody else and, and, uh, you know, and how you've made it through is an inspiration that I can do that too and that type of thing like that. And that's, that's what it's all about to me.
0: Yeah, it is very rewarding to have the camaraderie. I think it's, that's what it's all about. And we are all connected and I've had people contact me just pouring out their heart and soul. And a lot of them want to remain anonymous, and I totally understand that. It takes a long time to be able to come to terms with your own experience. But um, how could people contact you if they did have questions?
1: They can contact me uh, just at uh, childrenofthegraves at outlook.com. It's Graves with an E. uh, And the website's the same name, uh, childrenofthegraves.com. And there's there's info on there. Uh, I've got a couple emails on there. Probably the best way. I'm on Facebook as well, uh, just under my name. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I've, you know, like you said, the, the experiences, uh, they don't stop. And, uh, so I have a lot of people ask me, you know, if has experience happened since the book came out. And I'm like, uh, actually I've had some really profound things happen since, I mean, just jaw dropping things happen, uh, since really? the book came out. And, uh, so I, I, I've, I'm about, uh, a little over halfway done with, with another book right now.
0: Wow and I'm um, forward to it
1: so uh we're gonna gonna continue on with it as long as uh anybody wants to uh to to hear it you know and, and that it's helping and that's the main thing as long as it's helping, then uh you know I'll still be out there uh uh doing what I can.
0: Yeah, well, you've helped me quite a bit. I mean, I have to say, just hearing your story is just another validation that these things are real. so thanks for that, Brett. thanks for sharing.
1: Well, you're welcome, and I really, uh, once again, I I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate the work you're doing.
0: And I appreciate you as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and if you would like to contact me, you may do so at abducteeawareness at gmail.com, or visit my blog at abductteawareness.blogspot.com. Brett, it's been a pleasure, and um, good luck to you, and have a happy holiday.